Julie, welcome back to Saltier Politics. Uh, this has been quite a political week. Yes. We're just seeing Elizabeth Warren drop out. What? Yeah. What? All the times. <laughs> it just says, it just said, Senator Elizabeth Warren is dropping out. Oh my God. Two minutes ago. <laughs> just saw it. Oh. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I'm hearing this live right now from you. Did she is she endorsing anybody or doesn't say yet? Wow. Um, well, okay. <laughs> uh, it's to be expected. But um, what did you think of everybody dropping out before Super Tuesday? I thought it was helpful to Joe Biden. I think there are people who are truly worried about Bernie Sanders becoming the nominee, or were worried before Super Tuesday. And I think that rather than this belief by some Sanders people that the establishment got together and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you had voters voting and what, what I think, and I, and I get the passion of the Sanders supporters. I get the, the frustration with business as usual on both sides of the aisle. I totally understand that. But I think what they miscalculated about is that the democratic party right now, and not the party, but Democrats, real live Democrats, not the ones sitting at the DNC who they think are masterminding all of this, but real live Democrats are truly worried about Donald Trump. They just want Trump out. They don't want a revolution. Right. They don't want... Uh, the first priority is to get rid of Trump. Whole, like that, That's all that I think Democrats, a lot of Democrats are worried about. Right. And to the extent that they don't see Bernie Sanders attracting... African-American voters, which I have to once again stress, white the white vote has not gone for a Democrat since Lyndon Johnson. That's no, significant. No Democrat has won with a, a majority of white voters since before you and I were born. Well before you and I were born. Um, 1964. And what that says is we need to... <laughs> Listen, we need to make sure that the priorities of voters of color are taken into account. Right. And because that is who is the heart and soul of the Democratic Party. And whereas you have, you know, these Sanders supporters are, I think they misunderstand that. I think they misunderstand the passion that especially voters of color and other disenfranchised minorities, women, college-educated women, right, Mm -hmm. um, also part of the Democratic base, they don't like Bernie Sanders for whatever reason. I don't know why, but they don't. Uh, or they prefer somebody else. Right. And um, they don't want a revolution. They just want, first things first, Donald Trump out of the White House. They just want him gone. And if Bernie Sanders can't attract college-educated women to the extent that he has to, or African-American voters to the extent that he has to, that says something. I mean, that says something about him and his candidacy. That's not on the establishment. Right. Because that's almost saying that college-educated women and African-American voters don't have agency of their own. They do have agency of their own. And they've spoken pretty clearly about what they want. And it wasn't necessarily Joe Biden, but it's not Bernie Sanders. And to the extent that this is now a Sanders-Biden race, um, they should take a look at what why they can't appeal to those demographics. I also will say this. I'm so frustrated with you, with you people, with you millennials, Emily, yeah. 
and the Gen Zers, these people, why should we vote for another old man like Joe Biden? Why should we do it? What's in it for us? What's in it for you? Oh my God. What's in it for you? You'll be, uh, listen, I'm 46 years old. I'll be, I'll be dead before some of these Supreme Court justices are done, are done um, with the laws that they're going to put in there that are going to affect, they're going to affect me, but Hey, I'm not getting abortion. (laughs) Honestly, like I'm not, I'm not, whatever. it's you you want you want your right to choose to stay intact you want uh your civil rights to stay intact yeah guess what's in it for you right i can't it's it's absurd this is not voting or getting on your high horse is one of the biggest things that will stop so many people from voting for a biden if they were a big sanders supporter and i don't i don't understand because this is one thing i learned from living in Florida and now working where I do, people get in line. Republicans get in line and vote. Yeah. Bill Clinton had a great line, great line back in the day. He said, Repub- Democrats fall in love. Republicans fall in line. And he was I, absolutely right. Fall, I, you know what? Because at the end of the day, whoever the Democrat is, is going to advocate probably for more of your positions if you're a Sanders supporter than Trump will. Of course they, of course. Like, it may and, not move the, the needle 40 steps forward, but it'll move it forward 10. That's better than back 500. And these people, you know, like the Susan Sarandons of the world, I'd rather have Donald Trump there because then the revolution will come sooner. How's that working out? You know, it's working out great for Susan Sarandon. It's great. Susan Sarandon is a rich white woman living in New York City and potentially Los Angeles. I think she lives in the city. Her, her life's just fine. She's not the one getting locked up in a cage. Right. She's not the one whose right to choose is being infringed upon. She's right. not the one whose civil rights are being trampled upon. Her taxes are being cut. Her life is fantastic. What revolution? None. We are in a state of emergency. There is an urgency here that is above and beyond anything that I've seen in my lifetime. I found this last night uh, tweet. There was this list of things just to keep in mind. You're not just voting for president. Yep. You're voting for who replaces RBG on the Supreme Court. You're voting for the next secretary of education. You're voting for federal judges, for rule of law, for saving national parks, for letting kids out of cages, voting for clean air and clean water, voting for scientists to be allowed to speak about climate change, what the president's, you're voting for what a president says and does on Twitter, you're voting for housing rights, and you're voting for LGBTQ people to be treated with dignity. That's what you're, I mean... Think about those things before... And, and you could probably add another 10 things to that list. Yep. <laughs> I mean, climate change is probably not going to affect me. It might, but it's not going to affect... It's not going to affect Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. They'll be dead in about 20... Or Donald Trump, for that matter. They'll be dead in the next couple of decades. I, I hate to say it. I mean, I hate to be that crass about it, but right, chances are, actuarial tables say, you know, in the next 20 to 30 years, they will not be here anymore. Right. But if I'm 20 years old and I'm debating not voting because I'm really pissed off that Bernie Sanders may not be the nominee, that says something. Right. You're, what are you investing in? Yeah. Your, and your listen, I'll say, this, I'll say this about Bernie Sanders. He's not my cup of tea. Not even ideologically. He's just not my cup of tea. I'd run to the polls to vote for him if he were the nominee. If he is the nominee, I will. It's not gonna, it's, I'm not going to sit there and, oh, I don't know. I really don't like Bernie Sanders. I, I, don't, I don't know. I really personally don't like him, and I'm annoyed, and he was never a Democrat, and how is he the Democratic nominee when he was never even a Democrat? I mean, actually, that, that, that does offend me 
that he never registered. I don't understand how he could be the Democratic standard bearer and never have registered as a Democrat, but okay, it's not going to prevent me from voting for him if he's the nominee, and enthusiastically right. so, and campaigning for him to the extent that, I, uh, that anybody cares about my opinion. I agree. Um, but can we go back to Elizabeth Warren for a second? Because yes, I was getting kind of despondent today a little bit this morning thinking about what, where we started in this campaign and where we are today. We started with probably the most diverse, not probably, the most diverse field in history. I mean, four senators off the top of my head, four female senators, excuse me. Yeah. Um, three African-American, um, two African-American senators, one former African-American governor, Deval Patrick. Um, Pete. Pete, an LGBT candidate, Castro, a Latino candidate. And now we're left with three septuagenarians, one of whom is going to be president. Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden. I'm not diminishing Tulsi Gabbard's staying power because God knows she's still there. But practically speaking, it's depressing. Uh, So one of the big arguments I'm hearing against people who don't like Joe Biden is he's so old and he's been making all these gaffes. I point to Trump, but that's more whataboutism because both of them are old and make gaffes. But what is your argument against that when they're like, well, look at Joe. He, he doesn't even know where he is or what, what day it is. Um, I think he's going to put him, put very smart people around himself. First of all, I got it. Let me just say this about Joe Biden. Cause actually I've, I've been around a while and um, I'm from New Jersey, as you know, and he was sort of the third senator from New Jersey all the times that he was in Delaware. So I've been around Joe Biden a lot. There is, like, what you see is what you get with Joe Biden. You want authenticity? Everybody always talked about how Trump is so authentic, which is hilarious, but okay. You want authenticity? There's truly no more authentic human being on earth. And I, and I say that as somebody who worked in the Senate and, and worked around him, um, somebody who's seen him on the campaign trail, somebody who's just been in small rooms with him um, and not fundraising rooms where you have to sort of, you know, laugh and backslap, but like really small rooms where you just um, have conversations. He is truly the, probably the most authentic guy in politics I've met, which is a, saying a lot considering he's been in politics for his, basically his whole life. Right. Um, and I think part of that is informed by his humanity because when you go through what he went through, not once but twice, I mean, you lose a child once, I don't know how you go on. I just don't. You lose a child twice at the bookends of your life. There's got to be, I mean, that's just insane. Right. That's not, that's, that's, that's a level of suffering that, that is just out of, it's biblical in terms of the level of suffering that you have to undergo. And so when you have somebody like Joe Biden who has gone through something like that, there is an empathy and he keeps using the word empathy and that is absolutely the right word. There is an empathy that's been missing. I'm not even talking about Trump because I don't think Trump even knows how to spell empathy, but that's been missing in our politics for so long. Agreed. Um, and here, I don't care if Joe Biden sees his wife on his left and thinks she was on his right or his sister. I mean, I don't care about that. What I care about the policies that somebody will promote on behalf of people in this country, especially those who require more empathy than others. Um, And I have no doubt, no doubt that he will do the right thing. Um, 
And look, I came of political age in large part watching the Anita Hill hearings, and he was awful. I mean, he was just awful in 1991 during those hearings, just absolutely brutal. 91, 92, I forgot when, when they were, but my freshman year in college. Um, really terrible. Um, the cr- Chris Matthews-esque. Yeah, the crime bill was awful. I mean, he, there, he's, I'm not suggesting that he hasn't done, the Iraq war decision was awful. Um, I'm not suggesting that he hasn't taken some really awful positions during the course of his life. But what I will say is that he has been very, very um, forward-thinking on LG. Remember, he, he, he came out for, for marriage equality before Obama did. Um, and the Violence Against Women Act and certainly gun safety he's right. been at the forefront of. And is he going to bring about the revolution that the Sanders people want? No, he's not. And if that's what you're looking for, he's not your candidate. But is he going to be a human being in charge of a nation when a human being with human qualities? I mean, I don't mean human, before, lest anybody starts thinking, I, I don't suggest that Donald Trump is not human. But somebody who really has um, a sense of empathy and a sense of, well, it's not a sociopath, let's just put it frankly. That's, you need that. And somebody who's not going to fight with everybody. Why is it? I mean, we've gotten to the point now, this happens on the, you know, this happens on the Democratic side just about as much as it happens on the Republican side and it drives me crazy. If you don't agree with somebody, you're the enemy. Right. Your, your morals are questioned. Your humanity's questioned. Um, your everything is questioned. And that's not the way it should be. Right. It's not. I did not like George Bush's policies at all. And to this day, I think he's actually right up there with Donald Trump as an awful president in terms of the lives he cost with the Iraq invasion. Right, and it's still uh, costing. It's still costing. Um, but I didn't think people who supported him were inhuman. I didn't think they weren't valid in their beliefs. I just disagreed with them. I didn't think he, I believed he was doing what he was doing because he truly believed it was for the best interest of the nation. I don't believe that about Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump does what he does because it's in Donald Trump's best interest. I don't think he gives a damn about the rest of us. And all I want in life is somebody who's not going to demonize the other side. I'm not naive enough to believe that suddenly we'll have a kumbaya moment that will never happen. Cable TV and talk radio and and podcasts, podcasts like this and the internet have ensured that people will only listen to the worldview that they subscribe to already to have their pre-existing beliefs reinforced. But what I want from the White House, from the podium of the, of, of, of the press secretary in the White House, who hopefully one day will return to her taxpayer-funded job of, of providing daily briefings, um, and from the president himself, is just something human in terms of not demonizing or vilifying the opposite side um, the way we have every single day. Um, right. Yeah. And, and just to add a little bit onto that, just, you know, when deciding to send people's sons and daughters to war, I think it won't, I think it will be a thought out decision because Biden one understands a loss and two, he may have a visceral reaction like, Oh, I hate what just happened. I hate, you know, whatever, but he's going to be like, okay, now how many sons and daughters am I sending overseas? And how many lives are going to be on the line through this decision? Is this ego or not? And yeah. I don't think... I- yeah. And um, 
all I will say is this. I truly hope that he picks somebody for VP who's not a white man. It would be very nice to have, I don't know, Stacey Abrams. Oh my gosh. Kamala. Warren. I just get so happy. um, Corey. Booker, I mean, uh, somebody, it would just be so nice to to have other people other than white men <laughs> over a certain age represented in our body politic. It's just, it's so upsetting because we just talked about Anita Hill and Emily's list was really founded um, to elect progressive Democratic women, um, pro-choice Democratic women, I should say, back then. Um, so this is now almost 30 years ago. And we're not further along. In fact, I think we're actually further back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I don't, you know, it's, it's upsetting. And the more I sort of, I've been doing stuff with Lift Our Voices, as you know, the more we've been talking about women in the workplace and what's the biggest workplace in the world, but the, um, the biggest job in the world um, other than president. But it just trickles down from, from the top. Women just feel... This quote, this, there's a great quote, Michelle Cottle at the New York Times. I'm going to pull it up because it was such a great quote. She had a column today. Um, and she said something about Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris um, and all these people, essentially all these women running for office. And what's depressing about this is that they have such a higher standard that they have to abide by. This is the quote, and it's great. This is, I'm quoting her. This is one of the vexing realities that plague highly accomplished female candidates like Ms. Warren or Hillary Clinton, women whose resumes outstrip those of many of their male rivals. They have been told their whole lives that they have to outwork and outperform the men in order to be taken seriously, only to discover that it's not enough. Yep. That yep. breaks my heart, but I, it is true. Yep. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> that is- Deep. I, you know, I mean, think about it. I'm an only child. Um, and I was raised kind of like a boy in the sense that my, my father, um, really, I think, I think I was kind of the son he never had, even though I wasn't his son. Um, there was never a moment where I was told, oh, you can't do this because you're a girl. You can't, I mean, I really, I was raised kind of without, realizing, um, I was never coddled because I was a girl. I never had that kind of upbringing. Um, so, which was great because it it made me believe that I could do anything and I could be anything. And I just, I've worked my butt off and I worked and I worked and I worked. I know you did too. I mean, my God, I know exactly how hard you've worked and it never seems to be enough because when guys get into a room together and there's a woman in that room, she somehow still needs to prove herself more. I can't tell you how many times I've done work for men that they've taken credit for consistently. I don't let them anymore. That's like one of my things that I've decided I'm just not going to do that. Um, about 10, 15 years ago, I just said it's not happening anymore. But it happened repeatedly when I was younger. You just have to work harder to prove yourself. Otherwise, you're just there because you're the token girl or you're just there because you're a woman um, and, you know, you really can't be in the inner sanctum. It drives me insane. Awful. Well, I completely agree with you. To switch gears a little bit, I 
want to talk about your CBS segment. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really great. Thank you. But there was one thing I had a question about the lawyer, uh, Deborah Katz. Yes. Uh, who she, she was Christine Blasey Ford's lawyer. So she, right. she did a great job for Christine Blasey Ford. I when, thought I just disagree profoundly with what she said. Yeah, so I, I, that was one of the things when she was talking about, well, if women want to stay, you know, they don't want their name publicized. NBAs are good. I, I, I wanted to talk to you about that. Like I heard that and I'm like, you know, it's a shame. So let me just preface this all by saying, um, Faith Saley, who did the interview, is a friend. In addition, everybody should watch it. Yeah, thank you. Um, in addition to obviously being a, a wonderful host on, on CBS Sunday Morning, but Faith is is a friend. Our kids go to school together, and she's fantastic. And she actually asked us that question, um, but it didn't make it into the interview. I think just just for time um, constraints, so I'll answer it here. That that paradigm drives me more insane than any other part of anything that people ask about NDAs. And in addition to, well, you got money to shut up. Why are you want? Why do you want to talk now? We'll get to that in a second. But um, Deborah Katz and other lawyers, of course, they they, they love litigation. I mean, <laughs> they, they they that's their job. Women come to them and women say, I got harassed. Hypothetically, I got harassed um, at company X. And what do I do about this? And Deborah Katz and other employment lawyers, all, all very good lawyers, go to Company X and they say, um, Jane Doe got, not Jane Doe because people know who, who she is, uh, Jane Smith got harassed. Um, what are we going to do about this? This is what happens. The company says, okay, you want a settlement? We sign an NDA. Leave your job. Never talk about this again. Go away and live long and prosper. So practically speaking, the woman leaves with a check, a third of which her lawyer gets, which is why lawyers love this, because she got the settlement, she got the money, the lawyers love the money that they're making off of this. And I'm not suggesting they're doing this for pecuniary reasons, but you know they have to make a living like anybody else. And the woman not only can never talk about this again, the woman can't tell her next employer about why she left the company because she's bound by an NDA. So what if I'm applying for a job and that person who could hire me calls my old employer? Can... Your old employer can say whatever he wants. Okay. He can say Emily was really difficult to work with. He can say... That's a problem. It's a problem. And more importantly, your next employer is going to say to you, hey, Emily, why did you leave that job? Why, why aren't you working can at I Company X anymore? And you're going to say, oh, I really can't talk about it. Well, how sketchy do you look? That's setting you up for not getting the right? job. Right? And where's your letter of recommendation from company X, Emily? Oh, I don't have one. Wow, okay. Well, you can't tell me why you left, and you don't have a letter of recommendation from your previous employer where you spent 20 years. Did, 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 you, did you steal money? Did, did something happen? Did you, were you different? Meanwhile, they called the other employer. Well, Emily was working for you for 20 years, and, and why is she not there anymore? Oh, you know what? She was really difficult to work with. She's kind of a troublemaker. Mm. Meanwhile, all Emily did was tell her boss to stop grabbing her ass on a daily basis. And so you're out of a job. You better hope that paycheck lasts you the rest of your life because most women who file these lawsuits don't work in their chosen field ever again, ever. I mean, I have spoken, forget people in TV, I spoke to a lawyer yesterday who was in this exact situation. She was, she's been in the legal profession for... 20, 30 years, she's out of work. And she was a really prominent attorney because she complained about gender discrimination in her company. That's it, gone. And uh, she can't talk about why. Um, 
And so what's problematic about all of this? And never mind if you go to arbitration. You don't even, you know, this is, this is even before you get to file a lawsuit. And also, don't forget that if you do file a lawsuit and it becomes public, the next job that you work in, the next company will say, you know what, do we really want somebody like this in our company? Because if she filed a lawsuit against that company, what's to say she's not going to do it against us? So the onus is on the woman. The burden is on the woman. Meanwhile, the perpetrator, well, nothing happens to him. He continues working in his job. Right. And what's awful about this, and this is why this is so, the paradigm is completely wrong, is we shouldn't even have lawyers involved. The way it should work, if this were the world that hopefully we are all building together, is you go to your boss, or not to your boss, you go to some outside, some mechanism that's been set up, not HR. By the way, anybody listening to this, don't go to HR. HR is not your friend. HR is there to build a record against you. HR is never your friend, ever. Um, But an, an outside investigation is triggered. And I mean outside, not internal, not by HR, which has to answer to the same boss that potentially might have harassed you. You go to um, an outside investigator, whoever that person may be. That person, that or that outside investigator, looks into your allegations. Hopefully, they're found to be credible. You don't leave. The other person does. The perpetrator does. So guess what? No lawsuit. No need for lawyers. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of this. You don't need to get to Deborah Katz. You don't need to get to employment lawyers. You just continue working in your job. You're not the one penalized for having the courage to speak up about unacceptable behavior. Right. The person who is harassing you is out, not you. You continue working in your job. I mean, this is a consistent, consistent problem that the women are the ones. Do you know? I mean, it is not easy to find the courage to come forward. I mean, take it from me. I've done it twice. <laughs> I'm not the second time, not about sexual harassment. The other is the second time I did it, as you know, was on behalf of, um, is it Murphy for governor, um, governor Murphy of New Jersey, where his, uh, women came to me and said they felt they were being mistreated. I spoke up and then I got penalized for it. And so, you know, it's not easy to do that. I did it at Fox. I did it here um, with Murphy for governor. And unfortunately, both times, I was the one penalized, but not just me. I mean, this consistently happens. I mean, talk to any woman from any walk of life. This always happens. The woman gets penalized. So what message does this send to other women? Keep your mouth shut. Also, and how much are you bullied online? I know you're more of a public figure, but still that's... How much am I bullied online? I mean, I couldn't care less about how much I'm bullied online, but... um, Forget how much you're bullied. Look at Laura. Look at Laura Bassett. Is that her name? The woman who came forward against Chris Matthews. Yeah. So she says that he made her feel uncomfortable um, with with what he said to her. She is bullied nonstop online, from what she's written, and uh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I would say somebody who who went through it, I you know. What, what, what trolls who you never meet in life say to you online, I think is really kind of irrelevant. Like I've never right. had a, uh, and I, fr- frankly, I don't understand people who actually care about that because these are all strangers you've never met. So what do you care? Right. A lot of them, guess what, are paid right. or set up <laughs> to do that to you. But 
Um, and there's a coordinated PR effort to do that to you sometimes. But what is upsetting is not if you're bullied online, what is upsetting is it's the women who come forward who are retaliated against. It is a pure retaliatory measure. And so, of course, if you don't want to get retaliated, I spoke to a woman about three weeks ago who really wanted to come forward about something awful that happened to her. And she said to me, um, I don't want to do that. I, I, I want to, in the sense I want to hold this guy accountable because his boss isn't. So if I, want, if I go public, hopefully his boss will pay attention. But what are they going to say about me? And I said, well, what can they say about you? And she said, it doesn't matter because whatever they say about me, even if it's a total lie, will be out there in the ether and any future employer will know that it's out there. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And it's not anything real. I mean, she wasn't worried about anything that they could say that was real. She just didn't want that out there because if somebody goes out there and says on the internet, oh, I don't know, you know, Jane Smith murders puppies, whether she does, she murders puppies or not, that's out there forever. And if somebody's Googling you for a prospective job, that's the risk you take that they're going to think that about you. Right. Um, it's the whole, like, when did you stop beating your wife thing? Well, I never beat my wife. Oh, okay. Well, it's out there now that the question was asked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so now if you're a prospective employer, oh, wow. Well, some people allege that so-and-so beat his wife. So maybe he does beat his wife. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's brutal and it's wrong. And uh, at some point it's got to stop. And I don't know what to say other than the, the, the Deborah Katz paradigm, and I have a lot of respect for her. Again, this is not a um, knock on her. I think this is just how lawyers think. Um, you know, this is not going to lead to a settlement. My clients won't get a settlement if they don't, um, or, or, or they don't want their names out there because of their next job. Well, then, don't, then if you don't want your name out there, don't go public. Right. Guess what? There's a different way to do it. An outside investigation protects you. You don't need your next job. Or if you have an outside investigation and the investigation leads to um, the perpetrator being taken out of the equation, then you can stay in your new job. But if you still want to leave, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know why you left. Mm -hmm. Unless you want to say it. But um, I just, you know, this is not the lawyer legal contingency fee empowerment act here right this is trying to help women not lawyers get their contingency fees because they want to sue right and if you still want to sue by the way after what i just went through what i just talked about potentially hopefully happening one day you still don't think you were treated properly you still want to sue go ahead and sue right go ahead and sue but i i can guarantee you if a company thinks that this is going to be public the reputational damage to them alone is going to force them to act and do the right thing by you. Right. Because if a hundred women come out and say, so-and-so harassed me and the company still hasn't done anything about it and they could all speak up publicly, which right now they can't, chances are the company's going to do the right thing because they won't want to incur the reputational damage. Or the ensuing lawsuit where a hundred other women, because also don't forget, you sign an NDA, you can't talk about it to anybody else. Right. You can't build a case against your employer. There may be 99 other women who can buttress your case and you can't find them because they can't talk to you about it. it so it continues this horrible cycle oh, yeah. of abuse and harassment. Yeah. That's like saying little kids who got, you know, but granted that's a criminal thing, but so the analogy is not perfect because obviously NDAs, if something's a crime, NDAs don't count. But um, 
it's like saying, I got harassed by a priest and I got a settlement and I can't talk about it. Well, that priest goes on to harass half the kids in the parish five minutes after you. And none of you can talk to each other about it. Do you really? Does anybody think that's right? Of course it's not. If it's not right for kids, why is it right for adults? You can't do that to people. You can't treat people that way. And if you treat people that way, others should know that you treated them that way. That's all there is to it. Right. Okay. That was a very important point because after watching that, I was like, wait. No, no. And and listen, um, I think Faith um, did a great job with the segment. I think that's just... No, that that that, that That part of it, I, I know, I frustrated um, but some I'm glad you were able to clear, like, yes. talk about that. Um, yep. So one quick good news. So Scotland is now a step closer to becoming the first country in the world to make tampons and pads free to anyone who needs them. Yay. I thought that was really great. Yay. Um, and then the discussion topics range from why toilet paper and bins for menstrual products are required in restrooms, but not menstrual products themselves. So I thought that was really great. So I think America should follow along that. I just have a funny story. So I used to play basketball in high school and I remember um, during halftime when we were in the locker room and our coach was a male, um, he went into the bathroom and he's like, you guys have little trash cans in here? That's so lucky. And it's like, you have no idea, sir, why these little trash cans are in here. Well, first of all, why are we charging tax on menstrual products? Right. It's something. Right? <laughs> like It's very dumb. Did you know that if you buy a razor that's marketed to women versus one that's marketed to men, you pay more? It's way more expensive. Meanwhile, it's literally the same product. It just happens to be pink and not blue. I, it makes me so mad. <laughs> it's literally the same thing. It, Accomplish, it accomplishes the same, the same thing. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, look, I'm a big believer that menstrual products should be given out for free anyway uh, because it's not somebody's fault that they're right. menstruating. That they're aging, right. Like, like, that they're going... I mean... Where are twelve-year-old girls? If they don't have the money to buy it, gonna they're buy expensive. it. They're expensive. They're too. expensive. Oh no, they're not cheap. No. I mean, you think about I. You know, I'm sure there's a figure out there of what the average woman spends in her lifetime a menstrual product. Uh, yeah, right. I can't just in the thousands. Absolutely, and it's like that's just an expense men will never have to incur. Ever. Just and that makes me really mad. Like. I just yeah. wanted to put that out there. I was very salty about that. You should be salty about that. I've been salty about that for a long time. I think <laughs> it was in my <laughs> mid-20s I started calculating what this would cost me <laughs> over the course of the many decades of my life that I'd have to be engaged in it. By the way, you mentioned, you want to know where people go crazy? You mentioned that on social media. You just used the word menstrual product <laughs> on social media. I put out this thing. There was this Hindu priest um, who said something crazy and the story was so insane that I actually put it on social media where I said um why should people he says something like he has a cook a female cook and he and anybody who cooks while they have their period is going to be reborn as a I forgot which animal but some horrible as a dog maybe like some some something that 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 was not good to be reincarnated as right So I said something like, well, you know what? He's right. This cook should not cook for him for the week that she has her period and see how long he can cook for himself. And by day three, he'll probably starve to death and, and beg her to do it. And we'll probably think she's going to be reincarnated as, you know, whoever. Right. The best thing in the world. Whereupon 
people on Twitter went, why are you talking about periods? Why are you talking about menstruation? It's like, with it, mm, <laughs> it just hap- it's just right. a thing. Right. It's like a natural thing and it shouldn't, there shouldn't be shame around like, how, it. How did you think your mom had you? Right. Like, guess what she had to have to have you? Exactly. <laughs> I know. It's just, it, it completely blows my mind. And every time I go to a store and buy it, I'm like, my brother doesn't have to buy this. Just pissed. Oh, please. Yeah. Um, but okay. So what are you salty about this week, Julie? <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, um, I will tell you what I'm not salty about. Well, I'll tell you what I'm a little salty about. And I don't mean to, uh, double down on poor Mike Bloomberg. Russian poor is not the right word. Sorry. And wealthy Mike Bloomberg. I'm salty about the fact that Mike Bloomberg decided he was going to let three women out of his NDA. And that's it. That's a joke. I saw that. I'm like, what? What was your immediate reaction? My immediate reaction was I spoke to two women at Bloomberg who were bound by NDAs and neither of them was one of those three women. Because neither of them had accused Mike Bloomberg himself of impropriety. But guess what, Mike Bloomberg? When you're in charge of something named Bloomberg... That right. means it, the whole thing's on you. And there are other men in the organization that should not be protected by you. And I understand that Mike Bloomberg is no longer in the race. And I understand that Mike Bloomberg is going to spend a tremendous amount of his own resources to get Donald Trump out of the White House, for which I am eternally grateful. And I will even go so far as to say is that for me, a white woman of a certain income class, Mike Bloomberg was a fantastic mayor for me. Um, so with all those caveats aside, but... Just flip them all. Yeah. All of them. Right. Don't Let just... these women speak because they are really traumatized and they are really frightened of coming forward. Right. Uh, because they know that he's got the resources to sue them into oblivion. Agreed. But meanwhile, I believe that some of those men are still employed by him. Right. And this, again, Why? it's continuing the cycle. Letting three go doesn't end any cycle of anything. Yeah. Because, okay, it's three women who can say Bloomberg isn't, you know. And to wit, right. since we're talking about Bloomberg, I'm also incredibly irritated by Chris Matthews, okay. um, by his interaction on that subject with Elizabeth Warren. I also don't mean to beat up on Chris Matthews. I understand he's out of a job now, so I feel like I'm kicking people while they're down, but I'm using them as examples because there are plenty of men who still are in positions of power, actually including Michael Bloomberg and Chris Matthews. It's not like they just lost their power just because they didn't get, Bloomberg didn't become president and Chris Matthews doesn't have his show anymore, but it's very annoying to me where everybody starts rallying about around Chris Matthews and half, you know, including some people I'm very good friends with, uh, saying, Oh, poor Chris Matthews. He really got a raw deal. First of all, he settled a sexual harassment complaint, if I'm not mistaken, about in 1999, but that's neither here nor there. Secondly, you've had women coming out and saying he makes them feel uncomfortable, but okay, that's nothing, neither here nor there. But let's talk about how he talks about women on air or how he talked about women on air. When you see air. some of these just like sound bites back to back to back, it's, it's very unsettling. But culminating in the Warren discussion oh. where he made the onus on the woman. The woman allegedly said that Michael Bloomberg, when she was pregnant, told her to kill the baby. And he, and by the way, there was a witness to this, a man who said, yeah, Mike Bloomberg told her to kill it. So it's not like just even a he said, she said, which would be bad enough to doubt her word, but let's assume, let's not assume, let's also add that a witness corroborated her account. And, and when he was talking about this to Elizabeth Warren, Chris Matthews goes, well, why, you know, why would he lie about this? He said it didn't happen. Why would he lie about this? Why? 
because it's not a good look. Why would she lie about this? Duh. Like, that's like the... I, it, oh. oh, yeah. And, but that's, that's the casual misogyny. But, and that's the thing that Warren has to deal with in many interviews. Just yeah. that, like, having to be like, well, why do you believe her? It's, but, and then you just see her and she handled it with such She grace. did, but here's the part that kills me. I'm devoting more and more and more of my very, you know, you kind of know my schedule. It's insane. My very limited time to this. So this kind of stuff, this very casual kind of misogyny that exists, whether through Lift Our Voices or even talking about this or, or other issues that I'm talking about, I'm on this panel in New Jersey um, to address misogyny and sexual harassment and politics there. Like, this has become something I've spent an inordinate amount of time talking about. I don't want to do that. I, I really don't. Oh. I, I, because I don't want this to be, I mean, I'm, I, I want to do it because I, it's an issue, it's a problem, it exists. But I, I, this is such, this is not a revolutionary thought. Yes. I mean, I just put myself in the shoes of a, of a Joe Biden. Imagine if this were Joe Biden and he were having this interview with Bernie Sanders. First of all, the topic would never come up. Not Bernie Sanders, with Chris Matthews. The topic would never come up. But let's assume the topic came up. Would Chris Matthews say, well, why would she believe, you know, why would she do that? And then, of course, Elizabeth Warren, people say, oh, of course, she's going to side with the women because she's a shrill woman and this, uh, this is a complaint. You think Elizabeth Warren wants to sit around talking about, you think anybody wants to sit there and wave the flag on this issue day in and day out? We have to. We have no choice. Right. This is not how any, I mean, I'd rather be on the beach sipping a Mai Tai. I actually don't know what a Mai Tai is, but there's a billion different things I'd rather right. be doing. And... It's really annoying that yeah. this continues to be a problem that women, for some reason, have to address. It would be really nice if some men stepped up and also said it. Agreed. So that's what makes me salty. All right. So, Julie, have you ever seen, it's a new Amazon, you probably do not have time, the new Amazon show, Hunters? No, I heard it's, it's good, Al though. Pacino. So anyway, it's Nazi hunting. I heard about days. this. You need to watch it. Really? Oh, my God. Okay. But it brings to light Operation Paperclip. Which okay. is what I'm salty about this week because okay. I had no idea about it. But anyway, that's the more than 1,600 Nazis with scientific prowess. Oh yeah, who yeah, came yeah. To live in, live yep. the American dream right here in the U.S. They built NASA. They did. Yep. Warner von Braun. Mm-hmm. Um, but from these Nazi scientists, our, we got our space programs and yep. rubber. Um, it makes me furious. Just the fact that these who committed horrible war crimes, by the way, were living just a great life in America. Yeah, Werner von Braun was like a, hailed as a hero. It's just, I was just furious. And also the fact that the history books, and as a history major, I'm a history major, completely just poo-pooed all of this. Well, it just blew, first of all, I was furious. You need to watch it. We have have a way of sanitizing American history in this country. How about the fact that Franklin Roosevelt, who was otherwise a fantastic president... Nobody ever talked about how he turned the St. Louis around and sent a bunch of Jews back to the death camps. Oh my God. Right. So uh, there's a lot of accountability. We don't, we somehow need some sort of, I'm not saying a truth or reconciliation committee because that's insane, but like we need some, maybe it's not insane actually, but some sort of account. It is not unpatriotic to talk about bad actions. No, because you learn from them. In the building of this nation, whether it's Confederate statues or turning around the St. Louis, or this example, 
uh, it is consistent. But speaking of World War II, you just brought this to my attention. So I just remembered something. I got this. I have um, my mother's first cousin lives in Berlin. Um, and I love him. He's great. But we don't see each other all that often, obviously, because he lives in Germany. So we see each other once every five years or so. He sent me yesterday. I don't know where he got this. This um, um, Soviet uh, like dossier about my grandfather's war service, where my grandfather, who raised me until I left the Soviet Union, you know, was very, very close to you, and just to this day, ever whenever I think about him, I just mourn him because we were so close. Um, he was in the artillery and he got some massive medal and I still have his old Soviet medals from World War II, which is fantastic, but I don't know what any of them stand for. Now I know which, what one of them stands for. He was in the artillery and it turns out that he single-handedly held back an entire German unit under fire for 24 hours so that his own unit could retreat and basically save the lives of all these like Russians. Oh my God. Um, on the Eastern Front in 1942. And he sent this to me. I sent this to my mother. And both of us were like, oh my God, neither of us had any idea. And it makes me think about that generation. They never talked about it. Never. Never, ever. I'd ask my grandfather. I remember when I was like 16 or 18, I asked my grandfather about the war and I said, did you ever kill anybody? And he just looked at me like in a very puzzled way and he kind of said, well, of course I did. It was a war. And then proceeded to, that's it. That's the only conversation we ever had, we ever had about a service in the war. And then I come to find out, oh my God, of right. course he did <laughs> single-handedly. I think right. basically helped to wipe out this German unit that was, um, so his own unit could be saved so they could retreat. And wow, um, amazing. I mean, amazing. And I'm so sad that before he died, I did not get all of this out of him. But I think it's just the culture of that generation. They just didn't talk about their heroics. They just went to war, came back, were lucky to be alive, and moved on with their lives. That's incredible. I know. I mean, amazing. I can't stop thinking about it. I, I so wish you were here so I could talk to him about it. Um, but I will watch Nazi. What's it called? Hunters? It's called Hunters. Al Pacino's it. It's on Amazon. Who does he play? He plays uh, Meyer Offerman, and he was um, he's like the head of this hunter group, but he was in, uh, I think, Auschwitz. Is this a true story? Um, based on? Based on. Okay. But, um it's so good, Julie. You you will absolutely just love it. Really? You should read the book about Eichmann. Do you know about this? No. Adolf Eichmann, the um, architect of the final solution, the architect of, the, obviously, the genocide of the Jews of the Holocaust. Um, he was hiding out in Argentina after the war, and the Israeli government found him. And the whole notion of how they found him um, and kidnapped him back to Israel and he stood trial and ultimately um, is the only person who got the death penalty in the history of Israel for crimes against humanity. But it's a great story and it's like a thriller and it's a completely true story. Amazing, amazing story. Well, that's my homework. I will be reading that. But yeah, you ha- you have to watch Hunter. I will. That I'm looking for a new show. Time that you have. <laughs> so, I'm so lame. My three minutes of free time involves going to bed at 9:30 at night because I'm so tired all the time. Um, I can't wait to talk to you next time to see what, see what else, see how else you're, you are revolutionizing. You're awesome. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, what are you doing this weekend? Tell me your mom's up. Yeah. So I'm going to Florida and running a 10 K to support my mom in her city commissioner election. Um, and voting is 
on May or March 16th or 17th, whatever the Tuesday is. So I'm running and 16th. wearing her name. Hopefully I'll do well in the race. Isn't that next week? Uh, two yeah, weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Wow. So go, go Mrs. DeCicio. Yeah. Going to kill it. Uh, I saw she got the endorsement of the she, local newspaper. She did. She got an endorsement of the Orlando Sentinel. And wow. I'm very excited about that because she, when she speaks, she takes sides and she has very... She has opinions about things that are very helpful, and they come from a lot of experience. She's been on um, planning and zoning boards. She's been a lawyer in uh, Orlando for a long time. So, Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that before her election, but hopefully she will. What do you think? I think I think she has a really good shot. She's running against an incumbent, right? Um, no, she's running against a uh, local history professor from one of the community colleges. And it's nonpartisan, right? Nonpartisan. So anybody can vote for her. Right. Great. Okay. Well, we hope she wins. Um, what else? What are you doing this weekend? I don't... What am I doing Any this weekend? Any more soccer games? No. I had to go to a soccer tournament last Sunday where we had to be in a different state by 7.15 in the morning. Because you are a morning person, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am a morning person. I, I never used to be. I actually am a, a morning person because I've now become not a night person because I am a morning person, not by choice, but by parental responsibility. I now uh, go to bed so early that <laughs> there is no night anymore because I sleep through it. But although Super Tuesday, I was up till about 2.30 in the morning okay. watching TV, which I never ever do, but... So then I woke up yesterday and I was super cranky because I was going on like three hours of sleep. So I was not a morning person the day after Super Tuesday. All right. Fantastic. We will talk next week. Have a wonderful weekend. Good luck in the 10K. Thank I, you. I could not run a point 10K right now, but hope springs eternal for the summer. Hey. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Awesome.